You're listening to Run, R-U-N, Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Hello and welcome to the Revive Us Now podcast. I am your host, Steve Gray, and I am here to talk about everything revival because I believe God is raising up leaders for the next great move of God. And I want to teach you everything you need to know about revival, how to get it personally, how to get it corporately, and how we need to have revival in America. I think we're coming to the point where maybe we're going to move from the word revival to survival, where the church, if it's going to survive, we must have God break through the heavens and come down in his glory, in his presence, and in his power. And that's where we are. So tell your friends about this podcast, because we're not going to be talking about, oh, our self-esteem. We're not going to be really talking about hurt feelings. We're not going to be talking about what happened to us in our past and trying to get over it. No, we're going to talk about a power that comes down from heaven so powerful that it overrides our feelings. It overrides things that hurt us. We're not saying they're not there. We're saying, how can we get rid of them by a power greater than ourselves that something happens in us that is not of us? The reviving power of God and presence of God. And it can happen to you. And I'm going to help you understand how to do it. Now, I want to ask you this question. What? qualifies me. What qualifies me to talk about revival? There's great teachers out there. There's great preachers out there right now. There's great books out there being written about revival. But there's something different because many of those people are talking about revival, but they've never experienced it on a continued basis and certainly never led a revival. There's just a few people on the face of the earth that have actually led long-term revivals. And I'm one of those people, and I want to tell you about that so you can learn how to be a leader. You can gather the information needed. How can you be a leader in the next great move of God? So what qualifies me? Well, first of all, I am the pastor of what was called the Smithton Outpouring. Uh, it was also written about called the Cornfield Revival because so many people had to pass cornfields to get there. It's been written about in books, um, in scholarly books, in newspapers, in magazines, all over the place. Uh, this interesting story because it's a great American story of a small town church with a small town pastor who didn't know anybody, me, and all of a sudden God came down with such power. And so magnificently that people from all over the world began to come to this little town of 532 people that ended up being the Smithton outpouring. Now, I didn't come up with this number, but the St. Louis Chronicle, the newspaper, the big newspaper in St. Louis, came up with the number and said they estimated that a quarter of a million people came through the doors. Now, some of those were the same people. Obviously, they came back again or lived close by or whatever. But they estimated if we put all the services together and counted how many people went through the doors, 
they said they would estimate that there'd be a quarter of a million people came to that town from 1996 to the year 1999. That's a lot of people in a town of 532 people. Well, it was just an amazing time. And and I don't know if we've ever seen anything like it. Now, I want to share with you a soundbite, if I can get it to come up, of Sid Roth. You know him of his broadcast and his program called Supernatural. Sid Roth came, and a lot of other famous people and known people came. But Sid Roth came and was part of a documentary. And he stood in the street of this town, which had no gas stations, there's no grocery store, there's n- completely nothing going on, trying to figure out what would draw thousands of people to a little town uh, near the cornfields of Missouri. I'm going to try to hit this right now and let you hear the soundbite of what uh, Sid Roth had to say. Let's try it. This is Sid Roth reporting from the metropolis of Smithton, Missouri. Population, 532 people. I'm in the center of town. This is it, folks. The bar and grill, closed. Guess not enough business. The gas station, out of gas. The playground, the children aren't even playing. What in the world would draw me and thousands of people from all over the world to Smithton, Missouri? Let's go into the Smithton outpouring and find out. Pour down from the skies on every heart open tonight and that just happens to be me singing and live from the services we'll fade that down get to the phrase here we'll fade that down and continue to talk about how you can get personal revival yourself So there you have it. There was Sid Roth standing in the middle of the street saying, what would draw thousands of others? And went inside and they made a big documentary about it. So uh, let me back up even farther so you can understand, because you know what? Everybody deserves to experience the power and presence of God. Uh, We talked about hurt or self-esteem or whatever. No one, in my opinion, no one knows who they are till they've experienced the power, the glory, and the presence of God. Because that was God's intention from the Garden of Eden, that mankind would experience him in his glory. And so a lot of people, they don't know what to do with their lives, or they have these this lifestyle, that lifestyle, or these hurts, or that mess going on in their lives. And they're trying to figure out what to do, and, and how to adjust, and how do they feel, and what's right for them. Nobody knows. Nobody knows who they are until they experience the presence and the power of God. And then you can decide. You can decide who you want to be because you can be anybody through the presence and power of God. Well, so let's back up and tell you what happened, what really happened at the Smith and Outpouring. And then we're going to talk in later podcasts about the outbreak of God in 2008 that became the Kansas City Revival. Now, remember the Smith and Outpouring went for several years, and so did the the Kansas City Revival. Similarities, differences, we'll talk about them. But anyway, let's back up to when I was in a traveling ministry, and I was traveling the country and singing and preaching, and I was in Omaha, Nebraska, and someone ran up and gave me a stack of cassette tapes way back then when we had those, and said, you got to listen to these. 
and I didn't know what they were, anything about them. And there's a guy's name on them called Winky Prattney. Well, I we traveled in a Greyhound bus, and I took those cassette tapes, and I listened all the way from Omaha, Nebraska, all the way up through uh, all the states, you know, and uh, all the travels. And all of a sudden, I began to realize revival. I never, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know what it was. That I believe God's going to start visiting churches. And I thought, well, I don't really have a church like that. I'm traveling. So Kathy and I, we lived in a little town called Smithton, which was close to where I grew up. And it was a small town of 532 people, as I said. But we went there because it was small. Nobody in their right mind would start a church there, would they? So we came and sought God for a local church that we could be a part of saying, I think the fires of revival are going to stri- start striking local churches, which turned out to be true. Now, interesting enough, uh, at that time, I was offered, we were offered jobs in Orland Park, Illinois, which is part of Chicago. And it's a suburb of Chicago. And we were offered these great uh, staff jobs. And I, I appreciated it so much, them offering that, and housing allowance, and and car allowance and salary, and it was just a big package for us who had been traveling more than we had had, and both of us were going to be paid to go there and minister, and so as a team, so it was really, really great, and we said, yes, we'll go, because we didn't have anything else to do anyway, and it was a local church. Maybe God will, you know, strike there or with revival. So we're going to go to Chicago, and we're in this little town, and we're starting to pack up our stuff and go, and across town was a little church little white church. I didn't even know it existed. It was built in 1859. It was declared a historical site, and it was going to be torn down. And uh, the people came to me and said, oh, we heard you're a minister and all that. And they didn't particularly like what kind of minister I was because they, well, you know, they kind of heard I'm a, you know, I'm a speaking in tongues type, raise your hand type, you know, preacher. That was too wild, you know, for them. But they asked me, they said, you know, would you become our pastor? And they said, we've got six members left, but don't worry, they won't come and you can start fresh. And so they offered that. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm on my way to Chicago. So I said, no. They told me a second time, came to me a second time and said, come on, would you be the pastor of this? And they tried to make it as sweet as possible. And, you know, and that. And I thought, here's a town of 532 people. The church had been closed for four years. And you know why it had been closed? Because some people began to speak in tongues and be filled with the Holy Spirit and glorify God. And so the one living trustee came and put a lock on the door and shut the place down and had been closed for four years. So it was pretty decrepit. It was pretty musty, you know. But I didn't know that because I didn't even know the church existed. Even in that town, I never drove over there, you know, because we just came home to get away from everything. Well, the third time they came, they called me, and I, I came, and they said, would you take this church? And I'd already told them no. I said, I'm on my way to Chicago. I got a great opportunity there. And they said, well, we just give it to you. You know, you don't have to be our pastor. You can be your pastor. You can have the land, which wasn't much, but there was a land in the corner church, and there's a piano and, you know, this and that. And, uh, and, you, can, and you can be the pastor of that church and start a church. If you just keep it a church, we'll give it to you. Well, I told him, I said, well, I've already told you I'm on my way to Chicago, but I'm going out the door. And I said, but I'll pray about it. Now, let's be honest about this up front. 
you know what I was going to do. I wasn't really going to pray that hard about it. Uh, if I was going to pray at all, you know, you sort of say, I'll have, it's sort of like saying, let's do lunch. But I said, I'd pray about it. And I was driving back to my house, which was just a few minutes away. And the, you know, conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me. I'd been listening to, you know, the teachings of Kenneth Copeland and some of those people. And he was talking about integrity and keeping your word. And that just struck me because I told him I would pray. So I go back to my house and Kathy's packing up, getting ready to go to Chicago. I don't even tell her what's going on. And I go in the living room there and I think, well, I'll pray about it. I don't need to really pray about it because I already know what God's going to say. You know, here's, here's a this church in Chicago, and it's it's got 800 members or whatever already, and it's going to grow, and it's in a great location, and uh, salary and money and opportunity and everything, and then here's a church uh, completely closed, uh, no people, uh, nobody wants it, and that's the truth. Nobody would take it. It's going to be torn down. It's completely lifeless in a small town of 532 people, and I thought the answer was obvious completely closed. And so I came before the Lord, so I at least ought to pray about it. And I said, Jesus, what would you do? And suddenly heaven spoke to me. And here's what I heard. All of a sudden I heard a voice say, I'll tell you what I would do. I would raise the dead. Oh, I knew right at that minute. That's what Jesus would do. This place was dead. In fact, the first time I opened the door of the place after that, there was a dead bird laying right in the floor just a little skeleton of a bird. And I thought, well, there's a sign. (laughs) And I heard the voice say, I would raise the dead. And you know what? I knew he would. I just knew it was him. I went and told Kathy, they said, listen, we got a problem. And I told her everything. And we decided we're going to do what what Jesus would do. So we had to call Chicago and tell them we weren't coming. They kept asking if we got a better offer. I guess we did it looking back now, but at the time, man, it didn't seem like anything. No people, no nothing, you know. And so there we opened this little church. No people, no money, and we were out of money. Nothing. Completely dead. Zero. It needed paint. It needed everything, you know. And we opened that little church. And when I opened that little church, because I knew why I was doing it, I said, I'm opening this church because I believe God's coming. And the fire of revival is going to start striking churches across America and around the world, someday, some way. And so I would begin to preach it and tell them, just imagine, imagine people lined up to get in this building because the glory and presence of God is so strong. And I began to preach that and tell him about it. Well, you'd think, it, you know, it'd be a story that would move right along. But guess what? 12 years went by. 12 years of preaching that and standing there in a town of 532 people. I think like I'm wasting away. Now, it was considered a good church and successful. It had, a, it had a, you know, it had 150 people in that size of town. It was considered good. And it was a great place. And, uh, and uh, the, you know, we, we had a great time, but it still was not the fire and power and presence of God was not there like I expected it. And, it, and the dead had not been raised, even though it was a good church. And so, you know, during that time, then I just began to wear out and some bad things happened and church things happened. And you know how, if you've been in church, how bad things didn't happen and gossip and rumors and just all kinds of stuff. And I thought, if this is what it's about, I don't know anymore. I gave 12 years in my life to this. So 
I, I just began to wear out. I began to kind of think, is this what I want to do? What is revival? And I'd been there 12 years, and so I showed up in of that year in 1996, of, uh, of early March, March 10th of 1996, and I preached a sermon, and, and it was short. And I said, I am like the woman with the issue of blood. Remember, she had 12 years. I said, I am like the woman with the issue of blood. I've been here 12 years. I've given all that I have, and still, I'm no better. And as that, and that was my conclusion, and I left town. I just left, and I said, I'm not going to do this. I, I can't do this unless God does something. Ended up going through Pensacola, Florida, you know, Brownsville, and that revival, and uh Oh, it was miserable. I was miserable. Uh, if you've seen the documentary on it, I was miserable. I went to hotel every day and cried out to God for my life back because I was just empty. I was just broken, and I thought, I don't know what this is all about. And then I go to church at night, and uh, I didn't really get prayed for. I didn't run down there. I didn't sit with the pastors. I'd just go to church, and uh, and uh, then I got hope back, and I thought, well, Maybe God will do something. He started talking to me about revival, and I thought, this is crazy. I can't lead anything. I can't do anything. But I thought, well, I could go back. I was gone for two weeks. I said, I could go back and maybe see if God would do anything. But I'm not going to just start over unless God does something. I think I'm done. Well, I drove back and parked in the same parking place that I'd always parked in. Went into the same door. I'd went in for 12 years and stood there, and I could hear the music going. It was a Sunday night service, and it was 12 minutes. I put my hand on the door, and it was 12 minutes after 6. Service started at 6. I swung the door open. First thing I saw was Kathy, and Kathy's standing there, and I hadn't seen her for two weeks, so I thought, you know what? I should just go and give my wife a hug. The, the 150 people there, whoever many were there, were watching me. All eyes were on me. And I thought, well, I'll just go give her a hug. That's what I'll do. And so I began to walk toward her, and I stretched out my arm to give her a hug. Nothing special, felt nothing. It wasn't a God moment, nothing about it. And as I reached out to her, I'm telling you, like lightning, like lightning, I was struck by the power of God. And and, and it was just such life. I'd never experienced anything like it, and I'm, and I don't even know how to hardly describe it to you, but life and energy came in and all the doubts and all the hurts and I mean just from my whole lifetime not just recent through my whole lifetime lifted off and it's like I became another person my personality changed my preaching changed my songwriting changed because you you heard I was singing there and uh, I began to you know just and I began to jump and walk and leap and twirl and I had never done that before that was not me something had changed and when I began to pray for people, it was like they just collapsed. They just collapsed. And that, that didn't happen in our church either. It was rare. Once in a while, somebody do the, you know, the charismatic fall down thing, but it was rare. And all of a sudden, the power and people were being changed. And we did, I didn't know what it was. And I said, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, I'm coming back tomorrow night to find out. Next night, I said the same thing. Next night, I said the same thing. And then that week passed, and we did it the next week. We came back to see if the power of God was there. And by week seven, I think it was six or seven, some visitors came. Some people heard something's going on. Because we had church now. We're doing five five times a week, four times a week. 
And 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 they were powerfully touched. And at that point, I said, you know what? We're going to switch to the weekend. And so we began to have, listen, five services a week from 1996, five days a week. It was six services sometimes. Five days a week, we had services from 1996 to 1999. And thousands of people from all over the world came to get a touch from God, and it became the Smithton Outpouring. And I preached all those services. We didn't have guest speakers. We didn't have a guest evangelist. I preached all the services. Uh, Eric Newsom Thomason led all the worship. Integrity Music came and did a recording, and people, you know, I was on all the you know, TV shows and all, and all of a sudden, I'm just an obscure person. And all of a sudden now I'm getting all this attention and everybody's talking about it. And now I'm being invited to travel and travel the world. Oh, my whole life was changed from that very moment. The power of God struck and I've never been the same since I'm still changed and people came. And so that's what really happened. And, you know, in that room and on that property, it was not what you hear today, which is inspirational. There's a lot of great inspirational things going on. There's a great something that's inspirational, but I want to tell you what happened. What happened was unimaginable. I don't know if it happened to everybody. I don't know if everybody came experienced like I did. What I experienced was unimaginable, beyond what I could ask or what I could think. And right now, America needs revival. Churches need revival. If we're going to survive what's coming... You see, before, I, I thought there wasn't that much interest in a move of God, in the people of God. But now, due to circumstances, due to the way the condition of the world, to, due to all the things happening in the world today, people are saying, what are we going to do? What's going to happen next? How are we going to survive? And we're not going to do it by just some inspirational thoughts or, or you know, different good good ideas we're going to have to have something from heaven we're going to have to run this race until god comes down until god rends the heaven tears open the heavens and comes down he did it in 1996 it became the smithton outpouring he did it again in 2008 which we'll talk about the next time we're together but i'll talk to you then about what you need to do what are the ingredients what do, can you do to become a leader in the next great move of God. And I'm going to tell you that next time. So I'm so glad I had this chance to talk with you now and sort of tell you the miracle of the Smithton outpouring. And you can read about it. You can hear about it. But you know what? That's the past. We're needing a great move of God now. So I invite you to tell your friends about this. Join me next time so that we can understand all the things that God is doing for us today. And I'm, I'm just so glad you decided to run with me today, but let's do it each time and every time until God rends the heavens and comes down. Bye-bye. So glad I had this chance to talk with you now and sort of tell you the miracle of the Smithton outpouring. And you can read about it. You can hear about it. But you know what? That's the past. We're needing a great move of God now. So I invite you to tell your friends about this. Join me next time so that we can understand all the things that God is doing for us today. And I'm, I'm just so glad you decided to run with me today. But let's do it each time and every time until God 
rends the heavens, and comes down. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival.